Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. It's Af Malhotra again on Straight Talk with Af.com. So I never really disappoint you because my guests are extraordinary. They're thought leaders, they're authors, they are disruptive thinkers. And um, every so often I come across someone who I've known in the past. Uh, and today is such an event or such a day where I've managed to convince someone I've known for a number of years, who I certainly believe is a role model. I absolutely look up to this gentleman because of his um, success, his, his um, endurance, and his ability to sort of reinvent himself and actually get through the journey of entrepreneurship, which as an entrepreneur, I know is terribly painful, although it has some joy, having just exited my business, but I know eight years of just hard graft and hard work. And if it wasn't for a supportive wife, I would have been in trouble, of course. And uh, that's another story. And this gentleman is also an author. He's a politician. He's a philanthropist. And he's the one who introduced me to um, an organization, a community organization called Thai, which is a fantastic group of entrepreneurs that you know are focused on giving back to the entrepreneur community. And I got roped into that and I got convinced by him, and it was the best decision I made a couple of years ago, two or three years ago. And he's been busy doing a lot of stuff. So I'm going to, without further ado, welcome the wonderful Dinesh Tamija to Straight Talk. Hey, Dinesh, how are you? And thank you for coming on the show. Thank you, Af, um, and congratulations on uh, your exit from your uh, company. I'm sure uh, it was a good one, and uh, it's my pleasure. Yeah, thank, thank you for being on the show today. There's so much to discuss, and you have done so many of these podcasts, and I try my best to make ours different and unique and make it interesting for you. So you start talking about things that you actually care about right now, and I know you care about a lot of things, especially with the book you're due to launch later this year, early next year, called The Indian Century, which we'll talk about a little bit later. But before we go into all your different avatars, the different hats that you've been wearing, we have to, you know, we have to delve into the personal story. That's a big part of straight talk because you are, you are who you are because of where you've come from, and to some extent, it's defined you. But you have an illustrious past, an incredible past. Uh, not to mention your father, who was a diplomat. We exchanged a WhatsApp message, and I, you sent me something through, and I reacted, and you said, "You remind me of." You're a diplomat, aren't you? You're a bit like my father. I can tell a diplomat when I when I hear one or see one. So um, you have to tell us, unpack it. Tell us a little bit about Dinesh, the measure. Who are you? The story, the backstory. How did you get to your first venture, uh, eBookers? And then we'll we'll meander and we get to different places. Well, as you as you mentioned, eBookers, um, I was a travel agent, and what better place to start is having your parents being diplomats because I was born in Australia, and then I traveled with them, uh, for example, to Mauritius, uh, to, to India, to Afghanistan, to Czechoslovakia, to Holland, and so on. And, um, you know, I was a travel agent since I was born, really. Uh, it's, I think I was counting the other day, I've lived and worked in 13 countries um, after the age of 18. Mm. So, it's actually nice because uh, you 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 pick up how people think in their own countries and you can do some uh wherever you are you can use some of that uh to help you uh, 
in, in, in your business, in, in talking to people, because lateral thinking is one mm. way of, of progressing. Yeah, yeah. And we'll, we'll come to you because in a moment, tell us about your family. Um, were you, where were you born? How did you end up in the UK? And uh, siblings, it's, 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 it's important for us to know because okay, we well, get to I'm, know you I have, a, I have a brother, younger brother. Yeah. And, uh, we were both born in Australia, uh, where my parents were diplomats. Uh, we went to boarding school in India, uh, Mayo College, and uh, I then moved to St. Xavier's, Delhi, when my parents came to India, mm. uh, you know, from postings. And then uh, they decided that we should go to school for A-levels. We, we did our senior Cambridge in India uh, uh, for A-levels to, to the UK. And uh, we both went to a school called King's Canterbury. Uh, and uh, I think that the first time there was one Pakistani uh, young boy and two Indians, me right. and my brother Sumant. And uh, uh, it's quite funny, but they, uh, in the first term that I was there, which was the uh, uh, starting in January, I, I missed the Michaelmas term. Mm. Uh, they said, well, you're from India and Pakistan. You've got to be good at hockey. And, of course, I was useless at hockey. <laughs> so, <laughs> so they all poured scorn. Anyway, our, our accent was Indian, and that oh. in itself in school is tough. Uh, so, um, But the next term, I got into the first uh, six tennis team, and right. I was rehabilitated. But anyway, uh, so two years in, uh, in, uh, in King's, and then uh, my father had been transferred to Holland as ambassador. So um, I went there for a year, or I think it was two years. And then I went to Cambridge to Fitzwilliam College. Right. And um, uh, it, it was an amazing transformation from being in school in England to being in university in England. People looked at you so differently uh, and, and, and treated you as a a person and your views did count much more mm. at university. And uh, now I've, I've become a fellow of Fitzwilliam College. Beautiful. Congratulations. Yeah. And the journey that you sort of went on, you this is this was what, in the 60s or 70s? When did you come to the UK? Uh, 68 to 71, and then 71 to 74 was Cambridge. Yeah. Then I thought the world owed me a living. So, um, of course, it didn't. Yeah. And, uh, I was uh, needed money. And my parents had said, come back to India if you can't cut it. So I started selling insurance door to door in council estates. I was mm -hmm. quite successful in that. Uh, and then uh, moved on from there, joined a company, and so on and so forth. Mm. So you actually worked. Uh, for an organization. I think you, was at, you were at IBM. Is that right? At some no, no, point? I worked for two, three organizations. Right. Uh, and the last one being IBM before I started my own business. Yeah. And what were you doing? What were you doing there, if you don't mind me asking? What, oh, what's, so... It was a very short tenure. Yeah. I, was, I was there for about six or seven months. And um, I was earning £7,250 a year, which in those days was a key. A lot of money. Yeah. yeah, and uh, I'm talking about now. Oh no, I'd been to Iran and worked there and earned some tax-free money, etc. 
But uh, in the late 70s, 78, something like that, I was working for IBM uh, with that money. But of course, I was paying 50% in tax. Yeah. 50% was the bottom rate of tax and 10% national insurance. So I was only earning half that money. Right. And I thought if we could start a business, we could expense in those days lots of things which could could be could be expensed and earn, and double my standard of living if I could expense everything. Mm. This was the motivation to double our standard of living that I started my business. And you did this with your wife? Yes. So um there was a, a chap I was staying in Kempsford Gardens with a friend. Yeah. And uh, he, uh, we used to go every day and buy all the newspapers and he was trading in shares and we would read the newspapers knowing nothing about finance. Mm. And uh, so we got friendly with this guy called Jim, who was running, running the news agents. And uh, he said, listen, the, the premises next door, my daughter wanted to do travel and she just can't cut it do you want it? And one thing led to another. And my wife and I moved into that 80 square foot hole in the wall and mm. started travel uh, there. We didn't mm. know anything about travel apart from that she'd been an air hostess for Air India and mm. I'd been a, a diplomat's son. So that's how we started. Wow. And what, and you know, entrepreneurship is a as you know, it's such a fascinating journey. When you when you have the opportunity to connect the dots, looking back, it's even more interesting. When you're in it, not quite. You don't have too much time to breathe. Was your wife of the same ilk? Like, you know, had the entrepreneurial spirit? Did you have to convince her? Were you like lucky enough to just mesh together and make it happen? How did it How did it go for you? Well, uh, we didn't have any money, and right. we had, so I was a good driver. Yeah, it was a great driver. <laughs> Uh, we had one kid, one on the way, and yeah. uh, you know if our backs against the wall. Uh, you don't need to convince anyone if they're, they're half sensible. She's very sensible, so <laughs> it was it was easy. She was very good on the detail, and I was good on um, uh, you know I was more extrovert, and I went out and all that. And so I did correspondence courses with the uh, British Airways to learn. So I got three certificates over a period of time. It wasn't difficult. And then one thing led to another. And we, you know, we just kept growing slowly, mm. but we kept growing. Mm. And um, we're able to to feed our our family and uh, put a roof over our heads. Mm. Incredible. And 24, two decades later, 24 years later, also you um listed the company or you sold the company eventually and had a good exit. Um and, and so, many, you know, we listed the company um, 19 years later. Yeah. We sold the company 24 years later. And yeah. um, it was a great exit because we were lucky with the internet. Yeah. First yeah. on the internet, not only in the UK, but in Europe as well. So mm. we had uh, people in 12 countries, 2,000 people. 1,000 of those were in India in a BPO. Mm. And, uh, and our sales grew from zero in, in and in five years to a billion dollars. Wow. That's the whole point of being first, because the land grab is amazing. Mm. And, I mean, it was just last minute dot com and us 
Mm. We knew the travel business. They didn't. So they were learning by employing people. Mm. And uh, it was quite good. Yeah, that's incredible. I was a customer of eBookers, you know. Um, I'm in my mid-40s now. I remember that was one of the first platforms, if not the first platform, and we used to buy tickets from it. And the early adopters, of course, a lot of people didn't touch the internet, but many of us did, and we used to click and buy. I, um, in during university or even prior yeah. at college, I bought some tickets from eBookers. It was incredible. I mean, incredible what you did, really. Uh, you know, honestly, I, you've heard this from, I know, thousands of people, but really it's such a... You know, if you ever if you ever sit back and you look back, and I'm sure you do, you 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 change the course of history to a large extent because you brought the internet revolution to the travel industry in this country, and many of us in my generation and before and a little bit later um, use that as as a um, a baseline. In fact, you, I'll share an interesting story. I've never I don't think I've ever told you this, but I will tell you. My first year at university, I was at UCL Goldsmiths. I was doing anthropology. Um, and as an Asian man, anthropology was like, really, what the hell? I mean, you should be doing business or accounting. Or my dad, who was a lawyer, he said, you should be doing it. Uh, you should be doing law. And I was like, well, I'm definitely going to be, I'm definitely, I'm a rule breaker. So whatever he said, I went, I did the opposite. So, right. so I did anthropology. And I remember because of eBookers, I was chatting to a bunch of mates one fine day. And I've always been an entrepreneur. I was like, what should we do? It's like this eBookers thing is on. Let's create, let's go for Let's go full. And we bought the domain and then we we sold it many years later. I don't know what it would be worth, but it was inspired by eBookers. We were like, well, if eBookers can do it, we can do it. <laughs> so, Absolutely. So you, you, had a, you know, you had a huge role. I don't know who the founder was. I wish I did. I mean, we, you just didn't have the wherewithal at that point. Um, and so you, so you sold the business and, you know, it was incredible. It was a great story. You know, you, you overnight, I mean, you, you became a real, role model for many, many entrepreneurs, not just people from the Indian diaspora, but many entrepreneurs who wanted to ride the wave. You know, it was a very, very important period of time in the journey of entrepreneurship. And uh, I've I've heard, you know, your your interviews and your discussions around the journey and the lessons learned. It's just incredible what you've picked up. And I do want to talk about that, but I want to talk about what happened after that time, because I got to know you in the last, what, five or six years. I sort of bumped into you and, and we got chatting. Then I discovered who you are. And from entrepreneurship, you ended up, not straight away, you did other bits in the middle, but I knew you when you were in politics. Hmm. You were Actually, the center of- there's a 10-year period between selling e-bookers and politics. Right. And I, had right. A, I had a 10-year non-compete, so, um, which is quite a long non-compete. But I'd rather I rather I did it than 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 break it. Yeah. And, um, and so I I went into the charity sector, into NGOs, that sort of thing, Fantastic. both in India and here. Yeah. Uh, just to learn a new side of this is also entrepreneurship, of course. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, a, a new side of what's going on, and. One of the things I found, which you would know very well, Av, is yeah. the, the if if a hundred uh, pounds came into a charity, what would go out for the charity after overheads? And there were some charities with seventy percent overheads or seventy pounds in overheads, and there were some charities at twelve pounds in overheads. Mm-hmm. And you know, but most people most people don't look at this, and uh, because you. you a charity sometimes is just for your own 
people to give them salaries. So I learned many things. This was just one of them, as I as mm. think. Mm. Uh, so, so, so tell us a bit about that then. Let's let's stay there because you've got these two incredible um, programs that you're running, uh, Shiksha and um, the other Chikitsa. one is called Chikitsa. Uh, firstly, what does it mean for those who don't know what, what that means in Hindi or Sanskrit? So, so these two charities are in India. Yeah. So Shiksha, uh, I think we've been doing it for 18 or 19 years now. We uh, educate street children uh, from kindergarten to sixth standard and uh, 1,200 a year. We've got three wow. schools. And uh, my brother-in-law, uh, who was an ambassador for India in Moscow and various other countries, uh, and his son, they they run it. And uh, that is going on year after year. And, you know, after 17 or 18 years, you get uh, some great people who come out mm -hmm. and who've done really well, etc. So that's really... Um, you know, makes us proud. The mm. other charity is um, Chikitsa, which is a, a medicine, a pharmacy sort of charity. We have 15 right. pharmacies, some mobile, some fixed, and we give free medicine to 120,000 people uh, every year. Wow. And mm. uh, what we do is employ army doctors um, who and this is a connection because my father-in-law was the chief of the Indian army. And mm. thus, you know, uh, they, they come anyway and they need jobs, all the retired doctors, etc. So uh, we, we employ them and uh, give a, uh, a service to the community. Uh, I uh, also do charities here. Um, for example, I was on the board of scope, which mm. is cerebral palsy. Uh, I was uh, on the board of the Winston Churchill Memorial Trust, where we send 150, in those days, 150 uh, people from the UK abroad uh, for about six weeks or so. And they have to learn a skill or learn some information that they bring back and help the community they live in with that information. So that was uh, th uh, that. Uh, I mean, board member of Memorial Trust, which mm -hmm. my father uh, fought for the Royal Navy during the Second World War. Uh, and, uh, of course, my father-in-law fought for the British Indian Army in Burma. Mm -hmm. And so uh, that. And then uh, I, I put up three fellowships in Cambridge um, for, even though I did the arts, uh, for astronomy and applied maths. For computer science uh, and for design, for, for, for design, right. and uh, uh, this is a new course that's starting next year. So, and there are many other charities in between, mm. but these are three three big ones. Mm. I've, I, this is fantastic. Thank you for sharing that. And it's a, it's a very important subject because um, if you think about the next generation of entrepreneurs, uh, leaders, even in ex executive positions in large companies. Uh, you know, we're desperately trying to, over the last three years, I've been speaking with all sorts of authors from topics like digital world order to conscious capitalism to being human to diversity economics and so on. There is a common thread across all of these uh, topics, which is a lot to do with the evolution of uh, leaders 
and how we look at leadership differently and leadership with or without authority. And in fact, you're seeing more and more leaders without formal authority, thanks to the social media um, you know, revolution. And giving back, and whether you have millions or uh, not so much, is terribly important. I mean, I found in the work that I do, I give back um, not in the way I, you know, as, as as expansively as you are, but I would love to moving forward as much as I can. But I found over the last three or four years, giving back has been, you know, a stress reliever. It's given me purpose. It's given me more. It's given me an abundance of things that I didn't ask for. Believe it or not, in, in fact, commercially, I never even asked for it. And it just keeps it just keeps uh, nurturing you and. How have you how have you found this journey of the last decade and doing it, of course? After, I totally agree with you. The more you give, the more you get. Uh, and and uh, talking about leadership, which was the earlier point you made. Yeah. Um, um, I was in the middle of a conversation between uh, the person who ran Apex, the, the 12 billion pound fund. Uh, yeah. Uh, and... Uh, and Sadhguru Jaggi Vasudev, and I was listening, and uh, all of the employees of Apex were getting six-figure salaries plus bonuses and doing a good job. And so Sadhguru said, listen, I'm in the Guinness Book of Records for planting the most number of trees in a day, which is 814,000. For that, I had to get 250,000 volunteers countless uh, nurseries for saplings, etc. And I didn't pay them a penny. It's easy to pay people and get things done. It's far harder not to pay people and get things done. And so he, the target was three saplings per person, mm. which 750,000 for 250,000 people, and they planted mm. 814,000. And, and I just thought, my God, that is what leadership is. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you, you mentioned earlier, someone like Sadhguru, you know, again, an association with you was related to not just um, entrepreneurship and community building, but also some spirituality. A spirituality was a big part of it. Some certain gurus that I know, you know, is part, is part of your family and culture, were uh, familiar to me and, of course, Sadhguru as well. Talk us through how, you know, because there's so many ups and downs in life and you've done so much. Um, and I'm sure you've been through some dark times as well, no doubt. Um, how how has spirituality, how has this relationship with um, the, the power, the, the light worked for you? When did it when did it start? Was it day one? However, and it's I know for your partner, for your wife, it's very important. It's it's central to her life now, and I'm sure Sorry. it's important yes. as well. You know. Well, my parents were the ones who, who brought me um, on this path, uh, and yeah. I remember when I was four or five or six years old, going to Anandamai Ma's ashrams, uh, whether in Brindavan or other places, and uh, meeting her, and and just sitting there, not knowing what it was all about. Uh, my father was a was a and mother both huge devotees of Anandmay Ma. My father mm -hmm. passed away some time ago, but uh, he built a, a sort of a guest house 
next to her samadhi in uh, in uh, 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 Kanko uh, mm-hmm. near, near Rishikesh, and uh, uh, basically about a stone's throw from her samadhi. Anyway, when I came to the UK, I uh, met uh, Mataji Nirmala Devi. Yes, of course. And, and uh, uh, she was instrumental in me giving up smoking and drinking. Uh, I, I've actually taken up drinking um, uh, 34 years after I gave it up. But, mm. but she was a great influence on my life. Um, at least I thought so. Um, so did my wife, for that matter. And then, uh, of course, Sri Sri uh, Ravi Shankar and, and most of the guys have come to my home uh, when they visit the UK, and so does Sadhguru. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have a special place for Sadhguru in that uh, he's. He, you can talk to him about the string theory. You can talk to him about uh, Ayurvedic medicine or what happens here or anything. And he's got an answer. Uh, I'm not saying it's always right. And I'm not saying that I prove that it's wrong sometimes. I'm just saying that he is easy to talk to, uh, you know, if you think. And uh, so I'm still there. And now my wife in the last sort of five to 10 years has gone into, uh, I mean, we have a haven every day uh, Mm. outside. We uh, um, the Veda, the Rig Veda, certainly read and explained uh, to my wife. Mm-hmm. I uh, she gets up at four, but I'm still sleeping, thank God. So, <laughs> so, so, so the point is that uh, I, I hope that something rubs off on me. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it's it, you're blessed, really, because if you think about the frequency or frequencies and energy that is just floating around in and around your space. Mm. Uh, It's extraordinary. And I ask you this question again because of this issue of mental health. You know, the reports published by um, WHO on the state of the next pandemic, essentially, which is mental health illness. Uh, One in three teenage girls are are diagnosed clinically diagnosed with with um, with depression, ones that we know of, one in six adults, and it is it is a pandemic of sorts, and it's 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 a serious issue, and you know you can you can discuss the drivers, why it's there, why how what's exacerbating it, and so on, but I think we we do need to focus on. I, I'm feeling like we need to focus on giving, and we need to be focusing on helping people who need support, and spirituality is such a powerful, such a powerful way of enriching yourself and, and the soul. And there's so many ways to do it now. In the in the old days, you needed to know a yogi, like you needed to know Nirmala Ma, or you need to be connected somewhere and turn up to the ashram. Now we can do it this through this medium. Yeah. Um, what would you say, I ask you this, I mean, because it's, you know, we're going to go in different directions, which is what Straight Talk is about. But entrepreneurs... You know, and I speak to a lot of them. You probably do as well. And and sometimes when they're honest, or you've had a, a few drinks, then they really tell you what's going on. And it's it's sometimes quite dark. What what what's your feeling? What's your sentiment around this? Well, if you're an entrepreneur, you're halfway there out of mental illness because you have a purpose. True. Purpose is so important. Yeah. Without a purpose, if and and, and this is the problem with abundance. 
everyone's got enough. Mm-hmm. Why the hell? What am I here for? What am I doing? But once you have a purpose and you want to get out of bed mm-hmm. to do something, uh, whether it's sport or it's um, uh, study, anything, as long as you enjoy it. So you've got to enjoy something, have, have that purpose, and then uh, you're out of the mental illness side, unless there's something really wrong. Uh, you know, there's an imbalance of chemicals inside. Mm. So mm. this is the way I look at it. Uh, and uh, I, listen, I, I'm sure that uh, I could have gone and said, listen, I, I need a coach or I need a, a psychologist. Uh, I'm not thinking right. or, But I'm sure most times, most people sometimes are not thinking right or whatever it is. And you 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 just get on with it. So getting mm. on helps mental illness, I think. But it's a pandemic, for sure. Yeah, yeah. I talk about in 2013, I left the corporate world and I became an entrepreneur. And I thought it's going to be a breeze, you know, because the corporate um, gives you this inflated sense of the self and ego and arrogance and always bordering on narcissism, let's be honest. And I was in a certain very well-known organization climbing very quickly in my early 30s. And I thought, just come out there, it'll be easy. I'll pick up the phone, call all the C-level executives I know, and bing, bang, bosh, it's going to be fantastic. Obviously, it was the total opposite of what I'd imagined. And I, I went through two burnouts. I went through two burnouts, ill health. I went through a really painful period. I didn't have the mentorship or the coaching around me that now is, of course, commonplace those days, you know. And um, uh, but I found I found I connected to a sense of purpose. I connected to a purpose which was larger than life, greater than myself. And um, I came up with this term, making friends with uncertainty in 2013, because I thought, oh, my God, this is a shit show. And I figured out making friends with now I finally made friends with uncertainty. So even if we have nothing tomorrow, we're like, yeah, we'll find a way. It's fine. We've done it before. Uh, you, you you know how to play the tabla so well. And that, there's a purpose <laughs> there. You know how to, you, you know, you've got to juggle bandi. You've got to you know, work with, uh, last time I heard you was yeah. with Bluetooth, but yeah. whatever, whichever music it is, and uh, you've got lots of purposes. Straight, yeah. Talk, yeah. straight, straight talk, talk is, purpose. yeah, absolutely. And, you know, that's what I've tried to do in my life. And um, and then, you know, uh, health is something we need to tackle. I'm trying my best to try and coach and mentor as many people as possible. This helps. This medium helps. What you're yeah. saying helps people. It really does. It's, yeah. you know, it's not, it's not bullshit. It really does. Yeah. Um, I want to then move to, so you did the charity, you did the entrepreneurship, you absolutely crushed it, two, three decades of hard work. You know, you built a family, uh, you immersed yourself in purpose, in philanthropy, in spirituality right from day one. I mean, it's it's fantastic. You know, it's good practice there. And then you joined politics. <laughs> what made you do that? Well, I thought, you know, being very naive, I, I thought that uh, you can do good through politics. I've made money. And yeah. why not go into politics? So I read the three manifestos of the three parties. Mm. And I thought the Lib Dems had the best manifesto. There at that, that time were in government uh, with the Tories. And uh, uh, Cameron was moving to the right to try and get back all the people he'd lost to Farage. And 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 I thought that uh, a more central figure was Nick Clegg. Uh, you know, and, and I liked what he was saying, etc. So I joined the Lib Dems. I mean, I'm essentially my profile is is a Tory, uh, but I'd say I'm a I'm a wet Tory. 
mm. rather than a hard right Tory. Uh, a one nation Tory would be, but so uh, it, there's not much uh, difference really on the right of the Lib Dems or, or, or this. And, uh, you know, I, I tried to stand for London mayor in 2018. I couldn't, didn't get votes from the party. Uh, then in 2019, stood again for the European Parliament. And there was a wave for us, you mm. know, uh, so 16 uh, Lib Dem MEPs were, were 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 elected, and I was one of them. So it was amazing. And 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 by the way, I was only in Parliament for seven months because mm. we Brexited. But I learned a lot about what goes on, and it's exactly the same in Westminster, exactly mm. the same. And you know, there's the good things and bad things, but it's a part-time job. Mm. Uh, no, not not here. It's because you've got to go and work with constituents and be in Parliament. So it's a full right. from that point of view. But uh, and as it stopped uh, the end of January 2020, COVID hit. So we were in our houses or flats, and uh, and that's when I started writing books and and I started a new business. Um, right. 2020, I went into green energy. Fabulous. Okay. Tell us a little bit more about that. So I had, in 2008, when the world was coming to an end, yeah. I, thought, I thought that I would uh, invest in land and forests so that, you know, at least I could get my own food and all that. Mm. And I did so in Romania. And uh, I'd gone there because uh, I'd been introduced by my brother-in-law, who was the Indian ambassador there at the time. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So in 2005, but, you know, slowly I went in. And I said, hang on, I've got all this farmland. Why didn't I plaster it with solar panels? Uh, and, you know, green energy is very important. Mm -hmm. The climate, blah, blah, blah. This is the best way of doing it. And so my first project, by the way, it takes five years to get permits and permissions here. But uh, thank God, three years in Romania. Okay. And uh, the part of the EU, of course, and NATO. Mm -hmm. So I have 675 acres of land, which I've got permissions and permits for, and I'm going to plaster them with solar panels. Uh, and we're getting bids now. Mm -hmm. But then, of course, with the Ukrainian invasion by Russia, mm -hmm. uh, Green hydrogen or hydrogen became quite important because hydrogen and batteries are the only two things that where you can store energy. Correct. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And so hydrogen, uh, and I could power the hydrogen from my solar farm, mm -hmm. so it would become green hydrogen. Uh, you can't make a profit. You can make a profit on on solar without any government subsidies, but you can't make a profit on hydrogen. So governments have to give you money from the um, it's the hydrogen bank from brussels really mm. and now i'm looking at going into batteries as well so uh this is all new mm. so that was a purpose i had to learn so much about solar hydrogen and batteries mm. uh, and that gets me out of bed amazing amazing what a fantastic so you've still got that's your purpose again right so yeah. abundance yeah. but 
purpose. So you've you've latched onto it because because so important. We had uh, just before I forget, I had and I will absolutely connect you with him if you're interested. I had the the legend R, Dr. R. Michelka on my show about a year ago. Dr. Yeah. R. Michelka was one of the leading scientists of India who actually you know stopped the Americans taking Basmati rice. If you remember that time, they were trying to take the intellectual property, the patent for oh, it. So he, yeah, 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 he blocked it, and he's uh, he sits on the. Uh, it's non-Newtonian uh, ideology and innovations. He's got a number of patents in his name, especially around farming and so on. But he sits on the, he's the chair of the Reliance Mukesh Ambani's um, energy board, which is pretty much solely focused on hydrogen. And I must connect you to him because he's he's such a brilliant mind, such a down-to-earth person, constantly trying to collaborate with people all over the world, especially for Mindshare. So I will I will connect you because any support we can give you uh, in, in driving this agenda is important for all of us. I mean, eventually, yeah, you might be able to sell it back to the grid or whatever, but it, you know, doing it is the big the first big step in trying to change well, the way the things moment, are going. The moment we 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 start using and 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 building hydrogen, yeah. Um, uh, infrastructure, the price will come down. Yes, and thus there will be no government support needed. So, and, and it's so important because you can use hydrogen for fertilizer. You can use hydrogen um, to to put in in the gas pipes. Uh, at least twenty percent uh, of the gas could be hydrogen, and all this is carbon free. Mm. And the other thing that I'm quite keen on is small nuclear, because it is also carbon free. It is. It is. And, and 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 it's a great base load for both wind and solar. Yeah, absolutely. Totally, totally agree. Um I have you got a team around this or is this um in Romania or here or both? No, the they're in <clears throat> Europe, the team. And, yeah. and, uh, but but I haven't got anyone in nuclear at the moment because you know, if there's an opportunity, we'll do it. Uh but yeah. I certainly uh, am doing solar and hydrogen. Um, and looking at doing batteries now. Yeah, incredible, incredible. A conversation we're going to have again in the future because that's a, such an important area. It's a big, big part of the straight talk agenda as well, which which I call climate realism. Um, you know, so we'll definitely discuss that. So now let's shift gears and move into um, this sort of phase of your uh, your life where, of course, you've written a book before, Book It, which was very popular about your journey as a founder entrepreneur of um, eBookers. And now you're writing another book, which has got you and I hooked up together again, because I love reading the blogs that you send over. I know you post them on social. In fact, I really think you should set up a sub stack um, okay. because I think it's a game changer. I mean, because there's so many people who need to know about this and um, a sub stack will ensure that people regularly get your feed outside of LinkedIn. Cause you know, many of our guests have got sub stack channels and thousands and tens of thousands of of followers. So that's, I will discuss that offline. The book is called The Indian Century. And um, firstly, tell us about the book and tell us why, why and why now, why are you writing this book? Well, I feel passionately uh, um, on, about India, uh, and not because I'm from India and because it's doing something. India is going somewhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when you talk about India, to other people and say, look, it's worth a punt. It's worth an investment. Uh, you're not going to lose. I feel it in my bones that we're going to, they'll make money. 
and and not because I'm an Indian. And I show them, I, I put in, uh, for example, uh, a bit of money uh, and, and gave and got a year's what we made very conservatively. Mm -hmm. uh, we made around about 15%, and uh, which is conservative in the last 12 months. Uh, mm. But 15%, you have a devaluation of five, which there wasn't this year, but let's say you do every mm. year. Where do you get 10% in Europe? Right. You know, you don't get it anywhere and you can move. So I looked at World Bank figures. Last year, the Indian GDP was 3.45 trillion. The World Bank says, not India, but the World Bank says that it'll be at about 7 trillion by 2030. So in six years or so. Mm. Now, if you look at the Sensex 30 and the Nifty 50, 80 top stocks of the Indian stock markets that are the best run, run companies, I guess, mm. in India, you are going to double that 100% to 200. Right. And then if you go into pharma or infrastructure, you'll double it again. Mm. I don't see us not making me, I'm talking about, 400% in the next seven years, less the devaluation. If you are, you've got pounds, 5% per year, mm -hmm. right? So uh, in, if you see the uh, GST, that law that really brought the company, country together was giving around 10 or 11 billion dollars every year every month sorry 10 or 11 billion it's now giving 18 to 19 billion every month and the reason for that is uh it's a criminal offense that you you you, you know you, you <clears throat> don't pay <clears throat> so uh all that money is going to infrastructure. Now, the Delhi-Mumbai highway, for example, you know, which will reduce time from 40 hours to 12 hours. The speed, I mean, all the highways that are being built. I know in UP they're being... So I can go on and on and on about each, each uh, uh, silo, but uh, I'm really convinced that India will do really well. And I, that's why I want... Britain to do a trade deal with India, right? Uh, and and I could, if I can take one more minute on trade deal. Of course, of course, please, you must. Um, when I was uh, in the European Parliament, I was head of the India uh, desk, so for the whole Parliament. And I was saying, why aren't we doing a trade deal with India? And uh, I looked at all the other trade deals, and the first thing that came to me was in. Three years after doing any trade deal, trade doubles. Okay. So now I look at the UK India trade deal. India exports 21 billion to the UK last year, mm -hmm. and the UK exported 15 billion. So the trade is slightly in favor of India, but that is not the mm -hmm. point. The point is if we do a trade deal, this 15 billion will become 30 billion in three years. Now, the other fact that I got out of the European Union was that for every 60,000 euros 
extra, one job was created. Mm -hmm. So let's say Mm £50,000 just for maths, easy maths. 15 billion divided by 50,000 is 300,000 jobs. Jobs, new jobs in the UK, not anyone coming from India, new jobs here. Mm. Mm. India, on the other hand, for every 20,000 pounds, we have one job, it'll be um, 20 billion more. So Mm. it'll go up to 800,000 to a million jobs. Now, Mr. Modi needs. Uh, new jobs, 7 million new jobs every year because of the uh, young population that's coming into the workforce. Right. There's a million. Mm. 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 Incredible. And and tell me a bit about, uh, I'm just going to go down another path because it's very important, about the popularity of India. And, and I, so I have a view, but I want to hear yours first, of course. You've been campaigning for India for a long while, being an Indian as well from the diaspora. You know, let's let's be honest. Yeah, and you've had to conform. You've had to shape shift. You've had to adjust. That's how you survive and thrive. We all yeah. know that. You know, we all did that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was on. I was on the. Sh- I had a lady called Laura Liswood. She's a, an incredible um, DEI specialist, author. She's been campaigning with most of the. Um, you know, women prime ministers and leaders for the last 25 years, including Margaret Thatcher, for the plight of women. You know, she's an incredible person. And she was talking about, you know, she was talking about how difficult, how difficult it is for people from diverse backgrounds to fit in. Doesn't matter what 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 age or phase. And we started to talk about accents. And I said, look, you know, uh, we were just because we, we talk about everything, height, size, shape, color, tone. And we're talking about accents. And I said, I'll be honest with you. I've been here since I was nine. I'm 45. And okay, now I speak like this. And, you know, and sometimes I do overdo it because depending on the setting I'm in, I have to turn up my British accent. And I'm I'm open and vulnerable enough to say it now. I know in my corporate days, I would have never said this. Mm. But now in my, this is the beauty of entrepreneurship, as you know, you say what you want. And I do, I do have to conform, but it is exhausting sometimes. It is tiring sometimes. But I have to tell you now, as a first time ever, I feel being Indian is such a huge advantage. I mean, you talk about playing tabla, you know, there was, there was a time, I, I'm a musician as well as many know, I never pulled out my tabla. I never played it because I was like, well, how embarrassing, I wouldn't do that. Now that's my business card because... People, people are like, wow, what a fascinating instrument. I'm saying non-Indians, I'm talking about non-Indians. You've been campaigning for India for years, from Thai, so many organizations. Tell me what's different now. It's got it's got to be like a seismic change, right? Like 25 well, years don't ago. Get, don't get confused uh, okay. because you live in London or we live in London. <laughs> or in the, True. And True. London is the most cosmopolitan place. Fair play, yeah. 40% of all... Uh, uh, <clears throat> Immigrants, first-generation immigrants, live in London. Sorry, the London population is made up of 40% first-generation immigrants. And the London population is made up of of 40% of Asian immigrants, which is second-generation or third as well. So Mm. it is accepted. The second thing is that there are 10,000 Indian restaurants around the UK. So curry, and that's accepted. Mm. All mm. these things are melding together for us to be accepted, including the fact that we're much more confident within ourselves. All right. 
Yeah, uh, we're entrepreneurs or we don't care. Once you've made it, then mm. people, uh, you feel that people give you respect. Whether right. they or not is not the point. <laughs> so, and, and of course, uh, uh, going to um, good, working for good companies, going to good universities and schools, um, you know, you have friends from those mm. institutions or areas, and that makes you feel good too. Mm. Your network is your net worth, as they say, yeah. with investing in it. And so you, so I got it. You wrote, you're writing this book. Um, tell me a little bit about, if you don't mind speaking about it, of course, the governments have changed over the years. You, you know, you talked about the UK and the Labour government and then the Conservatives, the Tories, and then you talked about the Lib Dems and so on. India has seen a change in ethos, ideology and government over the last, what, 12, 13 years, Modi's, Modi's government. And whilst we're not debating his ideology, we're not discussing that today. Uh, the upside definitely has been this PR exercise, which has been magnificent, truly. I mean, it'll go down in the history books. Uh, and I do think it's had a positive effect on the diaspora. I mean, many of us, it doesn't matter which part of India we're from, in India's perceived in a very different way today over the last decade or so, I think, versus prior. What What is your view? And is that one of the reasons why you, you're you're compelled to write this book now because you've seen a transformation in the brand. So, so every successful country has successful PR. You cannot know about a successful country without the PR. And India was missing that and lacking that. Uh, as you know, our IITs in India are, are well known for uh, all the CEOs that they have in the S&P 500. Right. There is a, a level of education in India at the top that is tremendous. And I don't see many people from here or the States go and try and get themselves admitted into the IITs. Mm. Uh, they, they will one day. Mm. So, but, but the point here is that it is good. And, uh, and there are some great things. I think Ayur, certain Ayurvedic medicine is terrific, yeah, and 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 uh, and it's natural, so you're not polluting your bodies with 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 chemicals, mm. and 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 so I can go all the way there. I can also go. What was the success of the British Empire? Was there talking up what they did, and suppressing what would come um, be against that them. So to, so to speak. So this is natural. And I, I, I just feel that um, India was lacking that. Mm. Uh, we were very humble and, you know, keeping our head down and yes, yes, that's fine. And, you know, well, it is the fifth largest um, economy now. It'll become the third largest. We need to start getting a sphere of influence like the Chinese mm. uh, so, uh, so that we're not left behind. And uh, I'm not saying that we are the Chinese, but they're far ahead of us. Uh, but uh, there's something to catch up to. The book that you're writing, one, when will it be released? So we can absolutely do a pre-promotion of it because I'd love to tell so many people about it. And, and everyone wants to read more and more about India. It's fascinating. Number one, so when will it be released? And then two, um, who is it for? Who, who is your ideal reader? Um, 
it's going to be released in three or four weeks. Okay, excellent. I'm saying that three or four weeks, <laughs> and, and a couple of weeks have already gone by. <laughs> so, you know, that's the way it is. Uh, and who's it for? I think it's for everyone. I think people should learn about other uh, countries and, and, and see what's good in each place so that they can use it, like the Churchill Fellowship, mm. use it in the UK. I mean, mm. if I'm looking for someone uh, like a software engineer, uh, why not get an Indian in uh, or, 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 or a skilled Karigar, mm. one of those people who built up the Neesden Temple or any of these other, the beautiful yeah. stuff. Yeah, cross, craftsman. Yeah, craftsman. yeah. You know, uh, I think that it'd be lovely to 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 have that melding of of different countries. Anyway, London's a, a great place. Um, it's capital of the world, really, in melding. But still, mm. do more. Mm. So the book's coming out in the next few weeks. Uh, it's it's for whoever whomever wants to understand India. It's going to be called the Indian Century. And um, where will you sell it? Is it Amazon, usual usual places? Yeah, the, the usual places. I don't know, actually. Um, I'm not really after the money. Uh, yeah. What, what, what I want is um, uh, for a trade deal to be done. And, of course, I've written 21 blogs. Yes. And uh, I'll find out more about how to do a sub stack from yeah. you. Yeah. But in, in, in the meantime, the, these are tasters. They're about 500 words. Yeah, and these are tasters of uh, what's going to be in the book. Yeah, amazing. And um, will you go on a bit of a roadshow? Because I think there's a there's a huge opportunity to educate people. Because uh, each one of your blogs, yes, it's 500 words, but there is a lot of research behind it. There's a thought process behind it. There's your context behind it. Your stories that all needs to come together, right? Yeah, I'd love to do a, a roadshow. Um, I'm I'm quite used to roadshows as yeah. I was running a public company for five years, and every quarter we had to do one because I was on the NASDAQ. Yeah. And, um, so we did lots and lots of those. Be delighted to do them uh, and, and have fun. Yeah. Okay, we'll support you. Absolutely. Uh, we'll support you. So once the book's out, maybe yeah. we'll chat again about the book, go into the book more detailed, unpack the book, essentially. Um, but, you know, we're, we're coming to the end of the show, and I have to tell you, it's been a pleasure talking to you, uh, Dinesh. Thank you so much for giving me this time. And I've enjoyed uh, knowing this side of you, you know? Uh, can I just uh, can I just talk about one thing that I've noticed, um, because we're talking green energy. Yeah, please, please. But the most amount of solar energy is between the Tropic of Cancer and the Tropic of Capricorn. Okay. They are, these countries that are there are the poorest countries of the world. There is no rich country, really. I mean, when it comes to per capita income. Right. And we should, all these countries should capitalize on the power of the sun and put, put that into great leaders, elect great leaders, and start exporting energy. And by the way, there's a big correlation between GDP and energy consumption. So the higher your consumption of energy, the more the GDP. Mm. And that in itself will give a huge fillip. 
And that's why Ambani and Adani are really going for this. Um, it's it, it's a game changer for, 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 for the tropical countries. Mm -hmm. We don't mm -hmm. want, with this money coming in, we don't want to go and buy arms and not spend money on education and that sort of thing. And we don't want the temperate countries to keep saying, listen, this guy is going to screw you. You should buy this atom bomb or this thing or that thing and spend all that money into this, but put it into infrastructure, put it mm. into pharma, put it into all those things uh, so that uh, we're net exporters of everything. Mm. Mm. Sorry, I took that. No, no. Uh, let me let me then ask you another question. Now that you you've gone down this path, just for a moment, um, you were given a position of formal power in in this space. You know, we know Alok Sharma tried to do the best he could with COP, and it's a hard graft. And you know, Boris Johnson was still around at that point, and who knows what will happen now. But if you were given, you know, go back to your entrepreneur days, like psh, entrepreneur hat, anything's possible, pragmatic, get things done. What would you, you've alluded to one already, what are the two or three things you would do um, if you had limitless power to do it, to change the, the face of the world? Well, the face of the UK or the world? Yeah. Well, let's go for the UK because we're in the UK. Okay, all right. Well, permitting and permissions five years, give me a break. Okay. Single window policy, one year, and you get this thing done so that, you have four years to build the various mm. things. Well, uh, the UK uh, is very good on wind, not yes. so good on solar. So we, we need wind and hydrogen. So if you look at the map of Europe, the northern countries are good on wind. The southern Mediterranean countries are good on solar. And that's why you need one grid. Mm. So we might have left the European Union but for God's sake, get one grid, because uh, wind works at, at, at night and in winter, sun works at day, in, in the day and in the summer, and both mm. are a perfect fit. So that mm. would be one thing I would do straight away. I would take a lot of the middlemen and balancing out. I'd rather have government do the balancing, if possible. Um, so that's the more energy we have, the more per capita income we're going to get, the, the more our standard of livings are going to get better. Uh, I would certainly do... Um, uh, why are there two hubs in the States, in Silicon Valley and in Boston? One is biotech, one is, you know, uh, other uh, all the other tech. Mm. We could certainly do that here. And people talk, talk London up and King's Cross and all that. And it's mm. great. But mm. it's got to be much more, you know. Really go big on that. Mm. Um, those are those are two things. What else can I think of? Um, my focus would be on increasing the standard of living of all the people, all the people, not some friends. You know, that's what I'd like to do. Entrepreneurial stuff would be good too. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> of course. Yeah, I mean, I I think, uh, firstly, it's it's incredible that you have the the drive and the mojo and the zeal 
to keep going and doing these things. And it's, it's admirable. And it's, it's important for all of us to think like that. You know, there are, there are times I do talk to people who feel down and out sometimes young people, you know, who feel like there's no, there's no purpose, no point, you know, nothing's working for them, cost of living crisis and so on. And I think one of the things I found with entrepreneurship, I don't watch the news really as much anymore. In fact, I spoke to a Navy SEAL on my show about three years ago. That's one of the things he said to me, he said, stop, turn off the news. I was like, really? He said, turn off the news. He said, because from an energy field standpoint, mindset standpoint, laws of attraction standpoint, visualization standpoint, you're burying yourself in a zone where you need to be a moonshot thinker and you're, you're draining yourself. It's cancerous. And so I stopped. I don't really listen to the news. I, I talk to you and I do straight talk. Yeah. And that's my news. No, no, I think you're, he's absolutely right. <clears throat> so totally right. Because the, these guys, what is Brexit? Brexit was uh, one lot of people in the Conservative Party wanting to take power from another lot of people in the Conservative Party. That's what Brexit was. Standard living, uh, uh, food prices 16.8% up mm. and all that. We're an island. We have mm. to import 70% of the stuff. Obviously, prices are going to go up if you Brexit. So they never looked at the... Uh, standard living of people, they looked at their own pockets. Absolutely. 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 On a happy note, though, um, we can make we can make change happen. I think you're doing that in your own way through your various initiatives. I'm, I'm trying to do that in my own way. And that's what we have to do. We all have to do our little bit to make that dent. And change will come. You know, and that's how we have to think about it. As entrepreneurs, that's how we think. And um, and I, I, I'm so grateful for your time. Thank you so much. I would love to spend more time with you when the book is out and um, certainly spend more time with you in, in general. There's so much to learn and, and uh, I respect the journey you've been on. And so will the many uh, straight talkers who are watching the show when it gets pu published on YouTube. So uh, Dinesh, thank you so much. Dinesh the Major, a real hero, a role model. And thank you for carrying on inspiring us. Um, Thank you, Af. Yeah. You, you've been great. And uh, may you carry on. More power to your elbow. <laughs> Thank you so much. I just wanted to ask you one final thing. How yeah. was the experience over the last hour? Um, what, were the, what were the big takeaways? And I'd love some input and some, as they I say, was, feed forward. I was shitting in my pants. No, I'm just... <laughs> <laughs> no, Never. I had, uh, I had a great time, Af. Yeah. Um, and uh, and you, you really asked the, the pithy and the right questions. Uh, so, and it made me um, talk too much, I think. Never. That's not possible. And uh, I'm so ha I'm so happy that we managed to do this. Um, stay smiling. Uh, get that book out. Please tell us when it's out and we'll speak again and speak about the book in particular. And, um, you know, may the force be with you. And uh, thank you so much. So that's me. That's me signing off. Another straight talk. Uh, thank you to Dinesh the Major. If you do want to check out his work, then Dinesh, what's the website they can go on? Have you got a website? Yes, it's DineshTheMajor.com. Okay. Uh, but I, 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 I keep changing it. I need to change it. There's a lot to be changed. So I'll, I'll, I'll be doing that. Don't worry. DineshTheMajor.com. DineshTheMajor.com. Okay. And uh, have a wonderful week ahead. I will be back on Straight Talk next week. And uh, Godspeed. Be well. Thank you. Bye. Thank you. Bye.